Are you considering homeschooling, but don't feel qualified or don't know where to start? Are you a homeschooler and feeling lost or just need some encouragement? This podcast is for you. My hope is that through everyday homeschoolers' stories, you will be encouraged, inspired, and empowered to and in your homeschool. I want to thank my friends and fellow homeschoolers, Cole and Lindsay Novak of Good Company, for allowing me to use their song, To Be Here Now. You can follow them on Instagram at music.goodcompany. Their podcast, Good Company Podcast, on Apple and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. Hello, welcome. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than what my heart really is for this, which is sharing stories from other homeschoolers, just because I've gotten a lot of questions from homeschoolers or people that are interested in homeschooling about the methods. They don't understand them. They don't know them. These terms that we've been using, they don't know. And so I wanted to spend some time explaining the homeschool methods, the most popular ones, at least, that you'll see you know, majority of the curriculum when you search homeschool curriculum and or homeschool methods or whatever, these are the ones that are going to come up. And also I have some encouragement for those of you that are finishing out your school year or, you know, in, in the middle of homeschooling, um, right now. So I'm going to start with the homeschool methods first. Um, I want to talk about like just the traditional school at home approach. This is using boxed curriculum, textbooks, graded work. You stick to a strict schedule, much like you do, um, much like, you know, uh, a traditional school does. So you would, you might meet, um, you might schedule your school according to the public school calendar. Um, and you would grade all of your kids work and do tests and stuff like that. Um, There's a great advantage to this method because you know exactly what to teach and when to teach it because you're using this box curriculum that's spelling everything out for you. Um, I would say that the only disadvantage is is like you don't get the fullness of what homeschool could be, which is, you know, the flexibility and the fun and, you know, getting to um, do things that your child is interested in. You're just basically bringing school um, into your home. The next one is the complete opposite of that, and that is unschooling. Um, This is interest-led, child-led. This is if your child is super interested in airplanes, you're going to take that interest and let them run with it. You're going to get all the books. You're going to, I mean, just everything is going to be about airplanes. And um, this method also uses, you know, just everyday life to teach children, um, everyday, everyday life scenarios, making sure the child is involved in as much of life as possible. Um, you don't use a curriculum. You may use a curriculum for some things, like if your child's interested in airplanes and you find an airplane curriculum that teaches about the functioning of all of that, then you could use that, but you're not using one thing all the time. Um, And the advantage of that is really getting to learn at their pace and what they're interested in, and they can become experts on something and um, just get really familiar with one one specific 
subject. The hardest thing would be is if you ever had to put your child in school, they may not be up to, um, you know, the level of school system requirements just because you're really doing everything at the child's pace. So while your child may be in fifth grade, maybe they've only done math up to like third grade. And so if they're trying to enter into the public school system, fifth grade, uh, then it would be harder. And I don't want to scare you away from that because also, um, you, you're, you're having time with your child one-on-one and your children. I mean, even if you have four kids, it's still four-on-one. You're still at a better ratio than you are in the public school system. And so your child can catch up really quickly, really easily. So I don't want to deter anybody that has this fear of, um, what, um, the disadvantage of homeschooling, you know, that they're, they're going to carry this and be like, oh, well, what if I have to put my kid in school? You can go back and listen to the episode with Erica Josie. And, um, you know, she's praying every year, asking the Lord if she should, um, put her kids in school or keep them in homeschool. And so, um, and she guns schools. And so it's possible to still, you know, your child's not going to get left behind. The next one is classical. This one's um, quite popular. It is the one of the oldest educational methods. It's probably the oldest surviving educational method. It has been around since um, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, and um, they. The goal is for the students to learn for themselves. Um, they use the trivium, which is uh, reason, record, research, relate, and rhetoric. Um, they. It's a language based. Um, approach as opposed to like hands-on and like a video-based type of method. There are three stages. The grammar stage is learning how to learn. Logic stage is starts around about fifth grade. And this is um, the reasoning, reasoning and analytical thinking stage. And then in high school, you have the rhetoric stage, which applies the rules of logic to the foundations that um, and skills that were learned in the previous ages. And so it's a lot of memorization, a lot of, um, you know, especially in the early years, you're, you're memorizing all these things. And then as they go on, um, they will um, learn to apply those things. And so you, your child may spend a lot of time learning important dates and names and places but they won't learn about those things until later stages, like the the ins and outs. So if you're studying the Civil War, they may learn about Abraham Lincoln and slavery and Fifth Amendment and, or sorry, Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment and Emancipation Proclamation and all these things. But they won't learn the details of those things until later stages. And so, um, this is a very popular method for like hybrid schooling. You have um, a lot of schools that do two days in school and then three days at home where the parent is a teacher. You have the very popular classical conversations that uses this um, this method and uh, and they have a co-op style where you do school at home and then you have like one co-op day a week or so. Um, the next method, is Montessori, and it is based off Maria Montessori's teaching. Um, this is um, a very popular one. You'll see a lot of Montessori schools 
preschools and daycares and stuff like that. This is uninterrupted blocks of time. A lot of times you have, um, you know, you, you think a lot of Montessori teachers have been trained, but you can do this in the home, um, especially in the younger years. And um, there's real world activities instead of and using real tools as opposed to toys. So instead of like giving your child a play kitchen, you might just bring them in the kitchen with them with you and then you allow them to pour juice on their own you allow them to make eggs and you're you're bringing them into the real world and it's a full sensory learning so you're using all of your senses to learn about um every part of education you're going to give them um, pre-selected themed work centers and stations. So you'll have a special station set up for learning that focuses on a certain theme. So if you're learning about trees, um, you would have a whole tree uh, learning station for them. The next one is the Waldorf method. And this is based off of Rudolf Steiner's method. This is um, all, one of the methods that does delayed formal education until um, first grade. And so about age seven. And so this is uh, involves the body, the mind, and the spirit, educating all three of those and using activities and experiences versus um, head learning. Um, and then you're going to use a lot of imaginative work. They use a lot of fairy tales and, um, they're actually, it's quite fun in that sense. And just that imaginative lesson. And when you're doing, um, say if you're learning about math, you have these little math gnomes and you're doing, um, and they're using the math gnomes to tell about, the function of math, whether it's addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, whatever it is. And it's very creative. There's a lot of um, creative and analytical thinking as opposed to, you know, the like the classical method is very like memory, memory work and, um, you know, just more rigorous. And Waldorf is definitely more laid back. Um, and it's very centered on nature, culture, um, and like I said, the artistic leaning, you do form drawing, which incorporates, that's incorporated in math as well. And so it's, um, it's a beautiful method um, for those who really lean towards the creative side. And then you have Charlotte Mason, and this is my personal favorite since this is what we use in our home. It is also a method that uses delayed formal education until first grade. And this is just to give the kids a quiet growing time that they're not being forced to learn anything. They're, they're, they're able to spend time out in nature and explore the world for themselves before they start um, learning about the world. And this doesn't mean that they don't learn in those early years. It just means that the learning is more natural. If you're outside and you're, you're on a nature walk and your child sees a bee, and they're very interested in learning about that bee, well, then you would talk about it. You would spend time learning about bees. And um, reading is not, learning to read is not encouraged until age six, but it doesn't mean that you stop a child who has an interest in learning to read it before age six. It just means that you don't force it until that age. So even if your child gets interested before age six in learning uh, to read, 
you would, you could start it, but if they pulled back and didn't want to learn anymore, you wouldn't force it. You would just pull back with them. Um, Charlotte Mason uses living books versus textbooks. These are um, well-written books that have, um, that are usually by one author versus textbooks as many authors. And they're written in beautiful literature. Uh, they have beautiful literary quality and um, are exciting to read. They pull you in. And the best example I can give is a Little House on the Prairie series because that's the most popular. That's one that almost everybody has read. It gives you a really good insight into uh, that time period and space of prairie life um, that... Um, you know, the relations between natives and even though it's a very hard thing to read, there's just a lot of, you know, even when you sit there and you read Farmer Boy and you're like, wow, there's a lot of food that Ma has to make. And um, that's what they did. They made everything. And uh, so the Charlotte Mason Method also sees children as whole people um, capable of understanding the world around them. So it's very it's not shying away from things just because they're a child it's allowing them to learn and allowing holy spirit to speak to them and um also a big part of the charlotte mason method is establishing positive habits um habit training is a big part of it and you know it's like once you do start school um formal lessons then you have to stick with it it's a good habit something we have to learn we're we have to be functioning members of society and so we learn and we you know have good habits we're not lazy and stuff like that um also also the lessons are short and age appropriate so that way you know they're about in in elementary they're about 10 to 15 minutes long and it goes up to 20 minutes in middle school ages and then about 45 minutes for high school and so um very short lessons to begin with um, narration, which is the telling back of what they know, is how I guess you could say Charlotte Mason does testing. Um, in some sense, it's it's uh, either oral in the younger ages or written. And also, if your child has uh, struggles with writing, you could do um, oral for longer or drawing um, your narrations. And so this is just a way, if you read a book about Abraham Lincoln, you're going to ask your child like what they what they gathered from that from reading that book. Um, and if you're interested in that, no and tell. If you're if even if you don't want to do Charlotte Mason, No and Tells by Karen Glass is a great book for that. So y'all can hear <laughs> how much I love the Charlotte Mason method. I'm just going on and on. Um, dictation is also important that teaches grammar and spelling, and there is an emphasis on um, the cultural aspects of our world, which is artist study, composer study, hymn study, nature study, just really bringing in those beautiful things, and also using, um, uh, looking at those things as gifts from the Lord. Like the, this, these are things that the Lord gave us to make life on earth more pleasurable and pleasing and just how they can glorify him the next is unit studies this can be um used even with other methods and um you can kind of this is great for eclectic homeschoolers as well which um 
I'll get in, I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, multiple subjects using one theme, like a historical event, holiday, location, a person, um, and you would just use, so say you're studying about prairie life and you would do a whole prairie unit and you would incorporate math into that and your reading and language arts would be incorporated into that. They're all hands-on activities and it can be interest-led as well. That's kind of goes back to the unschooling thing. If your child is interested in learning about airplanes, like I said earlier, then you could use uh, a unit study to help that child learn on that subject. And then you have outsourcing, which is using a teacher or tutor, a co-op or a cottage school to teach either one or all of the lessons. This could also be online. There's online schools that you can do and that this is great, especially for working parents that wish to homeschool. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people coming out of private school and choosing homeschool. And so they have really the funds to hire a private tutor. And so they're able to do that. Um, instead of putting money into the private school, they're putting money into a tutor to come into their home and teach their child. Um, you can also be a part of a co-op, whether it's at a church or a civic center or something like that. And then, and that for outsourcing, you really, if you bring in a tutor or part of a co-op, you can actually be picky about what method or no method um, they use. But if you go to like a cottage school or if you do like online, you're going to be subject to whatever um, method of education they're doing. Most of the time for, especially for online, they're using a traditional method of educating. And then finally, you have eclectic, which is not subscribing to any single method, but using many tools from many different methods. You can dabble in Waldorf, you can dabble in Charlotte Mason, you can dabble in unschooling and classical, and it's really up to um, what you have um, decided for whatever, you know, because for me, I there are aspects of the Waldorf education that I love. I love teaching letters, the using the Waldorf method, and form drawing is a lot of fun. We really enjoy that, and so we incorporate that into our homeschool as opposed to doing the brush drawing that Charlotte Mason um, teaches about. And so, um, it's really it's really great if you are just. Want, want to do everything. You're, you just love it all. And you don't know where you want to land. And a lot of times, even if you start off eclectic, you can f may find out that you really enjoy another aspect of a specific method and just decide to dive into that method as a whole. So those are the methods. And um, that was a crash course. <laughs> I know it was fast, but I just wanted to give a really quick overview. I really wanted to give you the language that uh, is going to be used in a lot of my podcasts and there may be even more there are hundreds of learning methods out there and I mean you can look up just you know looking up educational methods and it's shocking that is where I started and how I figured out that I was a Charlotte Mason homeschooler was you know really just kind of taking a silly online test and I think I ended up with like Charlotte Mason unit study and Waldorf. It was kind of a hodgepodge. And I really have just landed on Charlotte Mason for a family where we really enjoy it. And so 
Um, so that's that. And then the next part, I just really want to encourage current homeschoolers, um, finishing the year strong. It's so hard to finish out the year. I, we do school year round, but of course we have an end to whatever we're doing for this year. And then we'll start a new cycle of history and all that. Um, when we start our new school year and, it's hard. It's tough to finish out. And, you know, a lot of times we start with something and we feel like we have to finish it, that we have to, um, complete that thing that we started. But I am here to say, you don't have to do that. You can stop. We started off the year. I had such high hopes. We are studying the 1800s. We love the Little House on the Prairie series. I was like, oh, we are going to go do, use this curriculum with this curriculum, and we're going to marry the two, and it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so hands-on, and we're going to have a blast. And our first term was great. We did it. And then second term has come, and we are struggling. We're having a hard time doing the extra things. And... We still are loving listening to the Little House series for like the, a dozen times over. And we are enjoying um, creating that relation of, oh, this happened during this time period. Like, you know, if we're reading a book and then explaining that this happened at the same time that this event in history happened, it's a lot of fun. However, um, all of the little activities that we were doing and all the hands-on learning, I've had to stop. It was putting way too much pressure on me. It was actually stressing my kids out because, um, you know, it was, it became, instead of something that was truly enjoyable, it became something that we just had to do. And um, I don't want, I didn't want those things to be, feel forced. And so we have taken a huge step back and we are stopping that part, that extra part of the, of the other curriculum that we were using and just focusing on our main spine and, um, and really just focusing on getting history, geography, reading and math and language arts done. And that's it. And if anything else, if we have time for anything else, then we do do that. Uh, We're spending a lot of our days, um, you know, we will have tea time and I use tea time as a way to really catch up on things. So if we haven't done artists or composer or poet study in a while, I will use tea time to do that. And, you know, my kids' mouths and hands are busy and they're engaged. It's exciting. And so it's a great time to catch up on that. If we're behind on a reading for history, for instance, then we will um, use that time to catch up on that history reading that we have right now. Currently, all of my kids are in the same form, which for Charlotte Mason, it means that they're all reading the same books at the same time. And so it's really easy because we can cover history all together um, because we're all reading the same book. And so it's really great. And then it also makes it a lot of fun to do it over tea. I feel like they engage way better when they learn over tea. And if you listen to Lauren Doan's episode, you will like, she's so inspiring to see her and she does all of her lessons over tea and a snack. And I just think it's so brilliant. It really engages them and gets them excited. And so we're just taking a giant step back and just focusing on just finishing the basics. And so, 
Um, and we're only, we're about to finish term two and we're going to do a rapid fire term three. We're going to try to finish. I like to finish. They have a grandparent camp that my mother-in-law does every summer. And I like that to be our kickoff to our summer break. I take, you know, about eight weeks off in the summer for us to just really enjoy going swimming or whatever. We still do, um, math and reading we still do some le- some lessons because when it's 110 degrees and we have water restrictions because there's a drought, my kids have nothing else to do other than complain that it's hot and they don't want to be outside. And so it's nice to have math and reading and stuff to do, like other books that we're going to, that we maybe didn't get to throughout the year that I'll just tack on then um, because then it gives us something to do and without driving me, you know, crazy because it's really hard when they keep saying they're bored. So it's nice to have something to do. So I like to finish, um, when this grandparent camp starts or school year. So it's going to be a super rapid fire, um, May and June and half of July to get, um, what our scheduled readings are for the year done and our exams done. And, um, but I'm, excited about it. I'm excited. I was sad at first. I really mourned not being able to do this other curriculum, but now I'm just like, oh, this feels so good to just do this little amount. And life is busy. Life is full. Life is wonderful. And I just, it was not working for us. There were, there was a lot of frustration about how much we were doing. And, um, you know, there was a stress on me, like I planned all of this. I want to do it. I want to do this. And so we're going to do it. And <laughs> that forceful, like, you know, I don't care if you don't want to do this right now, but now we're spending our afternoons. The other day, my daughter, um, we got some fabric paint and she painted a shirt, had so much fun doing that. We spent time making, um, working with clay one afternoon and just doing things that we want to do and not things that we quote unquote had to do. And that's really helped our relationship and it's helped just the flow of our day. Like we're just all so much happier by dropping those extra activities. So if you're struggling to get through the rest of the year, just take a step back and look and see what you can let go of. What, where is the frustration coming from? If it is even math, take a step back and be like, we can do math another time. Like we can just do you know, when normally we take a break, we could just do one math lesson a day as opposed to trying to squeeze in math now that's causing a lot of frustration and tears on top of what we have to do. So just think creatively. The best part of homeschool is being able to roll the punches, roll the tide, and see your kids for who they are. Childhood is so short. We were talking with a friend recently and she was We were talking about how wild it is, how turning nine years old was a huge deal for us, for having one of our children turn nine. It's halfway through childhood. And to know that that first nine years went by so fast and know that that next nine years is probably going to go by even faster. It's just wild. It makes me sad, but it also makes me want to hold on so much tighter to these years and really get that time. I mean, we only get 18 years with our children at home and we, and that 18 years is forms the foundation for the rest of their lives and the rest of 
their lives and our relationship with one another. It's like if your child sees you and looks back and only sees a parent that was more concerned with checking boxes and a parent that was willing to stop, slow down and connect, then there may be some like hard relationship things that they're going to have to work through as an adult and you're going to have to work through with them. And not to say that you're going to do this perfect and it's always going to be right. And I mean, you can have the best childhood and still need to reconcile parts of your childhood. But the point is, is that like you get to see them now, you get to spend so much time with them now and really get to, to lean in to your days. If they're having a hard time, you can say, you know what, we're not going to do school today because I see you, I see you're struggling and we don't have to. And there's a lot of people out there that think school is to prepare you for adulthood, but it's not. Yes, you learn and you have to be educated to be a functioning member of society one day. However, your childhood is so short and then you have the rest of your life to be a grown up. And so to teach them, I mean, one valuable thing my mom taught me, I was, I went to public school and I hated missing school. I hated sick days because I just always thought about the makeup work I would have. And, um, I was probably that kid that went to school sick when I was like junior high, high school age, I would just hide it from my mom and just not want to, you know, miss. But my mom saw my diligence. She saw how hard I worked. She saw how, um, how much I valued showing up and being responsible. So there are days that if I needed a mental health day and needed to miss school, she would let me. And it would be so funny when the school would call and be like, Brittany didn't show up for school today. And she'd be like, I know she's at home sick. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure, and mom, if you're listening, I'm pretty sure there are times that she even said she's having a mental health day. (laughs) So, I mean, she, I literally, one day I was at school and me and my best friend looked at each other and we were just like, we don't want to be here today. So I called my mom, she called her mom. And we got the okay to skip school that day. And we literally walked out of school and went home that day. It was just because our parents just valued the fact that we were hard workers and childhood was so short. And so they allowed us to miss school when we needed those days. And it would make us better students and better children, really, when we had the opportunity to take those days. And it honestly helped our relationship. It was great to not have to keep it a secret. I didn't have to secretly skip school or anything. My parents just, um, just understood that childhood is very short. And so all that to say, (laughs) take the time to step back. If you're, if you're struggling towards the end of this year, um, see your children, connect with them, find ways to connect with them. Um, Stop and bake something with them. Go outside with them. Go on a walk. Go on a bike ride. Pools are about to open. Enjoy time with them because it is coming. um, Childhood is coming to a close quicker than you can even imagine. And I know all of us moms are weeping right now just at the thought. But anyway, thank you so much, so, so much for listening and for being a part of this. I I had major... um, technical issues with the last episode and I'm so sorry I can't resolve it I cannot figure out why the audio when I re-upload it it keeps 
getting all jumbled, but I am working hard to learn this technology and figure that out so it doesn't happen again. And I hope it doesn't happen on this episode. And so I'm sorry that Erica's episode was so jumbled. And thank you for bearing with me as I learn um, just this new level of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly learning, constantly. <laughs> I tell my kids that all the time. And I'm so excited for next week. Next week, we'll actually have a veteran homeschooler on. And I am so excited for you to hear her podcast. It's going to be so amazing. She is so wise. She is a older woman in my community. And I don't want to call her old because she's so vivacious and so amazing. Um, But I so value her um, as a believer, as a wife, and as a mother and a veteran homeschooler. So I'm so excited. So next week I'll come back with a guest. Thank you.